You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. What is going on guys? It's Matt back at it on October 29th, Monday. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast. And man, do we have a fun-filled episode for you guys today. So, for starters, as always, we will jump into any and all NFL breaking news. And holy crap, there's been a firestorm earlier this afternoon. Most of you have probably already heard or read about it. I will give my thoughts on all of the uh, firings and benchings and just everything else going on here in just a minute. After that, I will break down half of the games that went down Sunday. We had 12 games in total. I will break down six of them, and then I will give you guys my Monday Night Football preview as well. And that will do it for today's podcast. So with all that being said, let's jump into everything that has been going down this past afternoon. (laughs) Listen up, everybody. I have some news. I'm going to start with kind of the fantasy news first here in that Jameis Winston has been officially benched for Ryan Fitzmagic. That is right. The Magic is back in Tampa Bay. So for fantasy, obviously, this brings um, a boost the value, I think, of everybody on Tampa's team. Clearly, this team just responds better with Fitzmagic in there. I know Jameis Winston has had two good games. Just going back to the beginning of the season when he was suspended, what Fitzmagic did, and then him leading them all the way back in this game against Cincinnati, I think it gives you huge upside for this team. I know uh, we've got those multi-interception games coming, uh, much like what we saw out of Jameis Winston in the first half in this past game, Uh, but we do have that coming for Ryan Fitzmagic. Um but I think I think it's going to be good for him and for this offense in total. What it means in Dynasty for Jameis Winston scares me a little bit. Again, guys, the NFL trade deadline is tomorrow. I think it's at 4 p.m., so in about an hour of what I am recording right now. Um, I could honestly see Winston getting moved here. Um, you know, they can, if the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers have until I believe it is March 23rd uh, to uh, cut 
Winston, or his money is fully guaranteed for next year, which I believe is $28 million. Uh, he has an injury guarantee, meaning if he gets injured at any point in time uh, on the football field or training, working out, until before then, uh, then it is fully guaranteed he gets that $28 million no matter what. But if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers trade him or cut him before March 23rd of next year, they do not have to pay a cent toward Jameis Winston and get out from underneath him. I think with them deciding to bench him right now, they're leaning that way. I mean, you don't you don't bench a guy you think is going to be your franchise quarterback after a bad first half. I admit, throwing for four touchdowns in a half is not good. Matter of fact, it's pretty horrible. Uh, and you don't bench him and then bring Ryan Fitzpatrick back in. So the fact that they did that, I think it's on their minds that they are either close to or have decided that they're done with Jameis Winston. And again, that's just my opinion. There's no reports out there saying that. But I could honestly see that uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers moving on from Jameis Winston. It'll be really interesting to see if they do trade him by some point in time tomorrow um, or if they wait until the offseason and maybe move him or if they just stick with him. Uh, but I do think with some of the quarterbacks coming out next year, I really do think that there's a strong possibility that they keep Fitzpatrick as the bridge quarterback because he is a very good bridge quarterback. I think he could be a very good mentor to a younger quarterback. And and let go of James let go of Jameis Winston or move on from him altogether. And then really, well, the only other news that's gone down today, but it, it has been fairly big news. The Browns have finally decided to fire head coach Hugh Jackson, and then they fired uh, head, uh, offensive coordinator Todd Haley about thirty minutes later. Defensive coordinator Greg Williams has been promoted to head coach while their running backs coach, uh, Hitchens, has been promoted to the offensive coordinator. So for Browns, I'm not sure what to say on this, really. I know a lot of people did not like Hugh, did not like Todd Haley. Obviously, the play calling has suffered this year. It's been borderline horrible. Um, obviously, Hugh has just not gotten it done. He's had you know two, three wins in the past couple years. He, he's just not been good. For this team, I don't know what Greg Williams is going to do for this team as a head coach. Obviously, they're not going anywhere this year. I have seen a lot of reports out there, people putting money on like Sean McVay and Bill Belichick to become the Browns' next head coach. You guys are delusional. If you think either one of those guys are leaving their teams to come to the Browns, I have seen a lot of talk about Lincoln Riley as he's talked about possibly coming to the NFL in the past. He did come out and say that he loves Oklahoma and wants to stay there. We've seen it before from college head coaches coming out and say that and then end up leaving. I don't know if Lincoln Riley would want to come to Cleveland uh, just because Baker Mayfield's there. I think that's kind of the biggest connection on why he would want to come to Cleveland. I will say this. I do think that Cleveland, again, I know some people will probably take this as a homer comment, but I do think Cleveland is a great job to get. They have talent all over the field now at this point. Uh, John Dorsey has done a very good job of loading them up with talent on the defense and the offense. They need to fix that offensive line a little bit and probably get themselves another wide receiver. But then other than that, their team is very good. I think the only thing holding this team back at the moment is coaching. So if they can get a good coach in there, I think that Cleveland could quickly rise to the top here in the AFC North. However, until that happens, I think this really hurts everybody dynasty-wise. Uh, or not dynasty-wise, I'm sorry, but uh, fantasy-wise. Uh, I, I don't know what kind of game Hitchens is going to call 
Uh, I, uh, you know, you would you would hope with him being the old running backs coach that they he would rely on the run a little bit more, get Duke more involved. Obviously, that's great for Duke and Chubb owners. I don't know what it's going to look like, how often he's going to want to pass and all that stuff. So that's definitely something that we're going to have to watch. Unfortunately, with their first game being against, uh, you know, one of the best teams in the AFC and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, but really, like I said, if they can get a good coach, I think that all these players have a lot of upside coming forward. I just don't know what Hitchens or Kitchens. I'm sorry, I keep saying Hitchens, huh? Kitchens is going to do for this offense. So something we'll have to watch and learn Sunday and see how well that plays out. So that honestly is all that we've got news-wise. Um, you know, I'll address really quick. As a Browns fan, I guess I am a little excited about it. Uh, obviously, Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley have struggled very badly on offense and some of the play calls uh, it's just been it's just been horrible uh so I'm really I am excited to see what happens this Sunday with the new coaching changes if anything changes I think it's going to be hard for them to do much against Kansas City uh but if if Kitchens can kind of unlock some things in this offense that both Haley and Hugh Jackson have failed to do uh, actually, before I go ahead and jump into the game previews, uh, or I'm sorry, the game reviews, uh, there was a little thing that just happened, uh, just came across the wire, that the Detroit Lions are not looking to move Golden Tate if they are blown away will deal Golden Tate. That is huge news in my opinion. I think Golden Tate is one of the best, better slot receivers in the game. Uh, and the fact that Detroit is willing to deal him, I think, pretty much signals that he's not going to get a new deal in Detroit. There's a lot of talk about him possibly re-signing there in the offseason and then at the start of the season, uh, which means more than likely he's going to be allowed to walk or go into free agency. Should be interesting to see if someone deals for him and then possibly if he ends up going somewhere in free agency. So, with all that being said, that's it for the news today. Let's go ahead and jump into those six game reviews. Post-game show is brought to you by Christ, I can't find it. To hell with it. To hell with it indeed. So, in the game recaps here, we're going to start with the game that, well, ended up causing Hugh Jackson to be fired in the Browns and Steelers as the Browns fall to the Steelers 18-33. For the Cleveland Browns here, Baker Mayfield struggled uh still i think had a fairly decent game overall uh 180 yards on 22 uh throws with two touchdowns one interception got you about 15 points in fantasy it's not a bad day uh not a great day i had him ranked fairly highly this week i thought that it would be more of a shootout than it ended up being here uh pittsburgh's defense got to him quite often which i did say on friday's podcast i was a little worried about uh, but I felt like Baker here had himself a good, uh, a decent game here against a, a Steelers team. For the running backs here, really, it was just Nick Chubb. Uh, got you eight points in fantasy uh, with only just 65 yards on the ground. And then, of course, he added 10 yards on two catches in the receiving game. Uh, I would think better days are to come for Nick Chubb. But then again, they have two decent matchups coming up here in Kansas City and Atlanta before their bye week. Uh, you know, and again, with the new change in offensive coordinator and everything, we don't know what this offense is going to look like. Uh, again, it's going to be it's going to be worrisome, at least in my opinion. Hopefully, we'll see them get Duke involved. Uh, the leader here, at least fantasy wise, 
uh, in points for the Browns on wide receiver was Antonio Callaway. Of course, that was because he came away at the touchdown. He can get you 12 points on the day, just 36 yards, uh, but did have a nice touchdown in the back of the end zone. Good to see him catch a ball when it really doesn't matter there at that point. Uh, but again, he like we've talked about, it was a nice catch in the back of the end zone. He has the upside. It's just him catching the ball and doing something with it. That, that's been the problem so far this season. Uh, their number one, Jarvis Landry, just did not have a good game. Just 39 yards in the receiving game on eight receptions. Uh, got you seven points in fantasy. And again, this is kind of what Jarvis is in being that PPR stud. Uh, unfortunately, you would like to see him get more yards, maybe rack up some more yards after the catch, but he has just not been able to do that here that much this year. Uh, but I do think he'll be fine in the long run. Other than them, though, nobody really did anything. Damian Ratley, just two points in fantasy. And then David Njoku was completely shut out here, which was extremely confusing to me. I mean, this dude is is a legit physical freak and a top tight end in the game. And for him to not get any catches, uh, it just it, just ridiculous, I think. Uh, there's no other way to put it except for just ridiculous. For Pittsburgh here, obviously Big Ben uh, had himself an okay game, much like Baker. Uh, just 17 points in fantasy as he put up uh, about 257 yards in the air with two touchdowns and one interception and then six yards on the ground. Uh, James Conner here just again just destroys the Browns defense much like he did in week one with 146 yards on the ground with two touchdowns and then he added 66 yards in the air getting over 200 yards on the day. Just ridiculous. I think he's quickly proved I think he's already proved, but I think he's just continually uh, proving that they do not need Le'Veon Bell, that he can do everything and anything that this Pittsburgh Steelers offense needs him to do. I think he is very easily short up the the lead back role here next year as I'm pretty sure Le'Veon Bell will be gone. As for the wide receivers for Pittsburgh, really only Antonio Brown came through for you. Six receptions on 74 yards and two touchdowns. Obviously had a great game here. Uh, I'm sorry, real quick. James Conner, 34 points in fantasy. That That's how ridiculous he was right up there with Todd Gurley this week. But back to Antonio Brown. So again, 74 yards on six catches and two touchdowns. Got you 22 points in fantasy, which is just a great day. He looked awesome all game long. Denzel Ward was just not really able to slow him down, and and he's always been a Browns killer. Uh, So obviously somewhat expected, at least uh, by most, for this game here. Juju struggled, though, in this game, getting you just five points in fantasy uh, as he really only had the four catches on 33 yards. The next game up, we have got the Washington Redskins and the New York Football Giants. The Redskins came away victorious here, 22-13. And Alex Smith, again, I talked about it on Friday's podcast, just continues to have Alex Smith days. He's doing just enough to get get you points in fantasy, but probably not enough to help you win. Uh, 178 yards in the air with one touchdown and added 13 yards on the ground, getting you just 12 points in fantasy. Again, this is exactly what Alex Smith is and will be going forward. Uh... What surprised me the most was Adrian Peterson. So 27 points in fantasy as he had three catches and 13 yards in the receiving game and added another 100. Oh, I'm sorry. I I read that completely wrong, guys. Just seven yards on one catch. But in the rushing attack here, 
149 yards on 26 carries and one touchdown. Jeez, I'm an idiot. I do feel like an idiot here because I was someone who really thought that Adrian Peterson would fade down the stretch, uh, and he was he has really proven me wrong this season, obviously. I mean, just for him to continue to put up numbers like this and be a beast, just good on him, good for the Washington Redskins as he continues to make them uh, relevant, keep them in the, in the win category, especially with the way he's been running the ball. Uh, Chris Thompson here was extremely disappointing. He was the one who just had 13 yards on three rushes, uh, added nine yards on two catches. Again, he has been dealing with the rib injury, so that likely is part of the reason why he was so bad. Uh, I wish they would have just left him out, though, if he was still trying to recover. Uh, They did say that he re-injured his rib injury in the game yesterday. Uh, For the wide receivers here, really just Josh Josh Doxson was the one who uh, had the best game for the Washington Redskins. Five receptions and 49 yards. Which, of course, led you to a whopping seven points. Uh, Other than that, guys, not really anything here going on for this team. Uh, Not that the New York Giants are any better, but for the Giants. So Eli Manning here just continues to, to struggle and not look good. Yet, much like last week, he threw for over 300 yards yet again. 316 yards, did have a touchdown but two interceptions. Got you about 14 points in fantasy. So again, not a not a great day for fantasy for him, but I would imagine you were expecting that if you started him. Saquon Barkley comes through yet again in fantasy with 15 points this week. 13 rushes for 38 yards on the ground and then adds another 73 yards on nine catches in the receiving game. And it's just ridiculous how much and how well he's been able to produce on the field with as bad as this Giants team has looked. Uh, He continues to be, I think, the number one and really the only option in this receiving game is it seems like every time Eli Manning looks up, he's like, what, Beckham? Beckham's got two guys on him. Wait, let me see over here. Oh, Sterling Shepard's got somebody on it. Hey, Barkley, where'd you go? Where you at, my friend? And he just dumps it off to him. Like, it's ridiculous. Uh, I feel so bad for Odell and Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, as these guys just seem to be extremely hampered with Eli Manning and his play. Obviously, Odell, though, did have a huge game here. Eight receptions for 136 yards, made a great catch across the middle one-handed. I thought he was going to get drilled. Uh, It was seriously just an awesome catch. Came through for you in fantasy with the 17 points. Sterling Shepard did not have a great game here, just five points in fantasy. Again, a lot of that being attributed to Eli with 34 yards on four catches. But Evan Ingram here in his second game back uh, did not look great, but did get the touchdown here. Five catches for 25 yards and the touchdown. It's what you want to see out of him. It was a very garbage time touchdown that really didn't mean much. Made the the score look closer than it was. But again, 11 points in fantasy. That's really all you can ask for. And as fantasy owner, that's probably all you really care about was that he was able to get that touchdown. Uh, For game three here, we have the Baltimore Ravens falling to the Carolina Panthers 21-36. For the Ravens side here, so Joe Flacco 
was, well, kind of absolutely atrocious when it comes to uh, fantasy. 192 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions, getting you a whopping 11 points in fantasy. Uh, it was very interesting to see him go up against a very good Carolina defense. I know the Ravens have been on a roll as of late. Uh, I don't think that you can trust Joe Flacco that much. I thought earlier in the season maybe you could have. I think he, he has a good run here of defenses in the next couple weeks after the bye week that maybe he can become trustworthy again but I would steer clear of him this week and then I believe their bye week is week 10. Uh, For the running backs here Alex Collins was the best running back on the day with 12 points uh, though I don't think did really much on the ground here just 49 yards on 11 carries but did get you the touchdown. Uh, Javorius Allen had himself a pretty decent day. Uh, did get the, or not really, I mean the touchdown again. It's the same thing that saves Allen for you if you started him. 18 yards on three catches with the touchdown. Now for the wide receivers, so Willie Smith had the best day out of everybody with 54 yards on five catches. Or when I say the best day, at least a best day fantasy-wise, getting you the most points as he gets you seven seven 7.9 points. Next best was Michael Crabtree, who got you four points. John Brown gets you four points as well. Crabtree getting you just 31 yards on four catches, while, um, oh my goodness, John Brown just gets you 28 yards on three catches. And I really thought John Brown was going to have a huge game here. Thought he would do much better than Crabtree. I think this Carolina defense, though, just really was getting sick of all the the trash talk about them, talking about how they're not that good uh, and worried about Baltimore and how good Baltimore had been over this first half of the season. And uh, I guess Carolina feeling a little bit disrespected, and they really kind of showed up big here. The only other player to get a touchdown was rookie Hayden Hurst, who had the two catches on 29 yards, got the pass touchdown from fellow rookie Lamar Jackson. For the Panthers side of things, Super Cam, baby, he he's back. He's continuing to put up a lot of points in the air, which as we've talked about multiple times on the podcast earlier in the season and even recently, when he is doing that, he is going to be hard to stop and going to be a top quarterback every week. Comes through for you yet again this week with 28 points uh, for fantasy as he put up 219 yards in the air, just the one touchdown, I'm sorry, Two touchdowns. Uh, One of them, though, was going to Christian McCaffrey, which was just complete luck. Uh, It was a good throw by Newton, but it got batted up in the air, and McCaffrey just came down with it in the end zone. It was awesome to see if you're a McCaffrey owner. And uh, obviously helped McCaffrey really come through for you in fantasy as he had 14 carries for 45 yards and a touchdown, and then, of course, added the touchdown that we just talked about, which four uh, four grabs and 11 yards. Uh, McCaffrey finally bouncing back here after two kind of bad games in a row, getting you right around 10 points. Uh, getting you 19 again that that touchdown really helped but still every point counts so seeing him come through was awesome Uh, for the wide receivers here so DJ Moore finally got a start and looked awesome in this game led all the wide receivers here by far with 15 points as he just racked up a ton of yards with 90 in the receiving game on five catches and then he also added 39 yards in the rushing attack 
just awesome. It was great to see him uh, kind of being featured here in this offense as good as he was. Nobody else scored above five points. Curtis Samuel was the next best with uh, 4.3, with was all came from his 28 yards on three catches. We saw Greg Olson score here, uh, which was good to see. Again, I've, I've kind of talked about before, I think he's really kind of limited in what he can do in the red zone, uh, being his best, being where he's going to outshine his best and be a top tight end, especially if he can score. Got you 13 points in fantasy, just four catches for 56 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Devin Funches did did literally absolutely nothing, uh, and we talked about that on Friday. I thought uh, he would have a really bad game here, just 27 yards on three catches. So that'll do it for that game again. It is oh, and I've completely forgot to talk about Cam Newton, and he had a rushing touchdown again. As we talked about before, Cam Newton, he loves running the ball, especially when he gets down there in the red zone, added 52 yards rushing on top of his 219 yards passing, and then obviously the touchdown. So three touchdowns on the day again for Cam Newton. Again, as someone who owns Christian McCaffrey, that is very frustrating because I would much rather that work go to my guy Christian McCaffrey, but you know that that's exactly what you're going to get from Cam Newton uh, as he, like I said, just loves, and I mean loves running the ball down there in the end zone, and they should. He's he's a very big guy. Not, not a lot of people on the field who outweigh him, except for maybe some of those defensive linemen, big physical athletes. You might as well take advantage of him when you can get the chance. The next game up, we had the London game uh, very, very early in the morning. The Philadelphia Eagles defeating the Jacksonville Jaguars 24-18. So, for the Philadelphia Eagles here, Carson Wentz continues to roll 286 yards and three touchdowns with one interception. Adds 28 yards on the ground. Coming through for you with 25 points in fantasy. Again, he's just continued to get better every week. He's going. He's obviously, at least in my opinion, returned back to what he was before last year when he injured his ACL and MCL. Glad to see him back and really love watching this guy play. For the running backs here, so Wendell Smallwood got a bulk of the work, got you 13 points in fantasy. Uh, Didn't do much on the ground, though, with just 24 yards on the ground on eight carries. But he did add 42 yards in the receiving game with a touchdown. Uh, Josh Adams, I thought, looked the best here. 61 yards on nine carries with uh, for a 6.8 average. Only added the six yards, though, on one catch in the receiving game. And Corey Clement really kind of disappeared here, which was really interesting. Just six yards rushing uh, and negative one yard in the receiving game. There is a lot of talk that Darren Sproles may be back after the bye, which I really think will complicate things for this backfield. If I were you, I would try and steer as clear from this as possible. I do, again, think that Josh Adams is by far the best player. I do think that he has a chance to take the reins of this backfield next year. But even then, he'll be in a running back committee with a very pass-happy team. For the wide receivers here, so Jordan Matthews has you probably the best game in fantasy with four snags. 493 yards. Again, he's looked good since coming back to Philly with 11 points in fantasy. Next up would be Nelson Aguilar, who gets you 7 points in fantasy. Uh, Doesn't really do much in the receiving game for them, though. Just 49 yards on 3 catches. And then, of course, for the tight ends, both of them score, and both of them look as though they are top 10 tight ends in fantasy. Zach Ertz gets you 10 points in fantasy with a whopping 26 yards on four catches and a touchdown. And then, of course, Dallas Goddard, one touchdown for 32 yards on one catch. So, 
for the wonderful Jacksonville Jaguars, who have been quite horrible this year, Blake Bortles uh, didn't actually have a horrible game. He was, up until yesterday, 3-0 and in London and had himself, again, a pretty good day. He got you 19 points in fantasy with 286 yards in the air with one touchdown and then added 43 yards on the ground. Again, it's going to be very interesting to see what the Jaguars do coming into the trade deadline tomorrow. Do they try and trade for quarterback? Do they trade Blake Bortles? Obviously, they wouldn't trade Blake Bortles unless they had another backup. I doubt they go back to Nathan Peterman. Uh, So who they trade for in the offseason could be a very, very, very interesting move. For the running backs here, so nobody did really anything at all. Carlos Hyde got six carries for 11 yards. D.D. Westbrook got one carry for nine yards. And T.J. Yeldon got two carries for seven yards. Obviously, all these guys struggled. Uh, If you played any of them, I am so sorry because they were just god-awful. And T.J. Yeldon being the only one who got into double digits with 12 points. For the wide receivers now. So for fantasy, D.D. Westbrook had by far the best game with 11 points. He got you, you know, a whopping 31 yards on two catches, but did get the touchdown, which is kind of where all of his fantasy points came from. Dante Moncrief yet again led this uh, receiving core in yards with 54 yards on four catches, and then DJ Chark a little bit behind him with 41 yards on four catches. Both those guys in fantasy with seven points and six points. Really interesting to see how far down Keelan Cole has fallen, uh, someone that I had talked about last year I thought was a little bit overrated. Um, If you've read some of my offensive breakdown articles that I did out on Dynasty Guru last year, I know a lot of people were very high on Keelan Cole due to what he did at the end of the year last year where he was just dominating, racking up hundreds of yard games and scoring touchdowns. And I said that it looked a little bit... uh, a little bit fluky to me. I wasn't sure he was going to be able to sustain that value going into next year, even based with Blake Bortles playing as well as he was. And so far, that has panned out. The next game up, we have the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. So KC obviously came and won this game 30-23. to On Denver's side of things here, so Case Keenum, uh, I think actually is continuing to get better every week here. I didn't think he had um, a horrible game necessarily, uh, much better than what he's done so far in the past. He did get you 18 points in fantasy, got you 262 yards in the air with two touchdowns and one interception, got you nine yards on the ground as well. But the big story... Obviously, my guy, Philip Lindsay, you know, led this backfield uh, yesterday with the Royce Freeman being out, got 18 carries, got you 95 yards and the touchdown. He also added in the receiving game here, uh, what, what were we talking about here? I just lost it. 17 yards on three catches. Philip Lindsay, again, an undrafted free agent, not just in, in fantasy rookie draft, but in the NFL draft as well. 18 points, just a stud. If you got him off waivers week one, or if you picked him up in your dynasty leagues, just good on you. You know that he's helping you guys win with as good as he has been. Uh, Devontae Booker in the backup role here got you 12 points in fantasy as he racked up 78 yards on nine carries. Uh, and then added 23 yards in the receiving game as well. For the wide receivers on Denver, so obviously, again, a lot of talk 
about Demarius Thomas uh, possibly being traded by tomorrow, and he did absolutely nothing in fantasy for you with just four points, got you three catches on 30 yards. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders had himself a bad day here with uh, getting you just six points in fantasy as he got you 57 yards on four catches, and the rookie was the one who led everybody at least in receiving yards. Cortland Sutton got 78 yards on three catches for 9.3 yards, but... The guy who really came through, who I'm sure everybody started and everybody loves, is Tim motherfucking Patrick. Does anybody even know who Tim Patrick is? Because I don't. I, I couldn't even tell you. I could not look him up right now and tell you who he is. Uh, but he got you one whopping catch for 24 whopping yards and a touchdown was your best player in fantasy with 10 points. And, uh, oh, excuse me, goodness. And, of course, for tight ends... Jeff Hireman was really the only guy who came through for you in Denver with six points in fantasy as he had just one catch on four yards and a touchdown. So, again, great day for him, I guess, if if that's what you're looking for. I imagine most people did not start him either. For Kansas City side of things here, Patrick Mahomes just continues to do Patrick Mahomes things. Get you just just 27 points of fantasy this week. Uh, But a lot of that, obviously, the 303 yards and four touchdowns, one interception, just continues to throw multiple touchdowns and over 300 yards. And I would expect that to continue, at least going this week against Cleveland. Kareem Hunt, I called it on Friday's podcast. I said that I did not think he was going to have that great of a game rushing. Just 50 yards does add 36 yards and a touchdown in the receiving game, which, guess what I said on Friday? He was going to score in the receiving game. So Kareem Hunt doing exactly what I told him to. I just wish he would stop because I'm tired of him putting up so many points, especially when I'm playing him or when I'm playing Todd Gurley. These guys have been ridiculous all year long. Uh, Their versatility has obviously been a huge key. If you got these guys, you're more than likely winning your leagues. Uh, Other than him, though, in the receiving game, it was a Sammy Watkins day for sure, as he got eight catches for 107 yards and a touchdown. Um... For my bad for Kareem Hunt did get you 17 points in fantasy. And then obviously Sammy Watkins was your big scorer with 26 points. Tyree killed just 8 points in this game as he got you just the 3 catches on 7 yards. But that's going to happen with him every once in a while. He's not going to score. Still 70 yards and 3 catches is pretty damn good for fantasy. And then Travis Kelsey just continues to be that top tight end right up there with Zach Ertz. As he gets you 16 points in fantasy this week. Coming through for you. With 79 yards on six catches and the touchdown. So, the last game that we are going to break down for today would be between the Seattle Seahawks who beat the Detroit Lions 28-14. For the Lions side here, Matt Stafford, again, good day. 310 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He is... Uh, you know, as I've said before, a a continuous top 10 quarterback, you know, puts up 20 points here yet again. I really do think that if you've got Stafford, he, he's an easy start every week. Uh, he, he does have a very kind of old school gunslinger mentality, uh, and he plays that way. I think he's going to continually get you points. He's He's rarely had bad games this year. 
For the running backs, on Johnson did not have quite the game I was hoping he would. Just 22 yards on 8 carries. He did add 69 yards on 6 catches, though. It got you the 12 points in fantasy, which is also, you know, again, he's coming through for you, and that's all that matters. Uh, the only other player that really did anything was Garrett Blunt, who got you 3 points, which was... Really, just the 23 yards on one catch did add three yards in the rushing game. So, on Johnson is really starting to take hold of this backfield. Hopefully, you guys grabbed him on your waivers or drafted him earlier in the season because he is definitely going to continue to come through for you the rest of the year. And then, obviously, like everybody thought, Marvin Jones Jr. coming through for you in fantasy. I'm just kidding. I did not. I honestly have to take a big L on this one as I really thought this would be a Golden Tate and Kenny Galladay game. Neither one of those guys came anywhere close to what Marvin Jones did this week. So Marvin Jones gets you 27 points in fantasy as he racks up 117 yards in the air on seven catches and two touchdowns he was just torching this defense all day long looked really good um and it really is starting to make me wonder if this is going to become now especially with the rumors about golden tate a marvin jones kenny galladay offense i do think obviously kenny galladay has much more talent but marvin jones is by far the the the, the guy who's going to stretch the field, he's a burner on that field, uh, so he could have more consistent big games compared to Kenny Galladay. Uh, Golden Tate here, just 50 yards on seven catches, got you a whopping eight points in fantasy, and then Kenny Galladay really uh, just was horrible in this game with one catch for 12 yards, getting you one point in fantasy. For the Seahawks here, Russell Wilson Finally having himself a really good day. Coming through with 248 yards in the air and three touchdowns. He also added himself, uh, where'd it go, 15 yards on two carries in the receiving game. Had 23 points in fantasy. This is the Russell Wilson we all know and love coming through for you. Hopefully they continue to run this offense like this. I know Detroit's defense not considered one of the best in the league, but still a great game for him. For the running backs, Chris Carson just continues to dominate this backfield. Got 25 carries for 105 yards and a touchdown. He also added 19 yards on two catches in the receiving game. Mike Davis was the guy who kind of got the next set of carries after him, which was just 10 carries on 33 yards. Rashad Penny is... in my opinion, done now for fantasy. Unless Chris Carson or Mike Davis gets hurt, I just don't see Rashad Penny doing anything. Again, I said at the beginning of the year in my articles on the podcast, Rashad Penny I thought was extremely overrated. I think, in all honesty, if Seattle Seahawks could sit down with you right now and you could give them some truth serum, they would tell you they wish they didn't draft him in the first round, not just because they passed on guys like Darius Geis, um, but and Sony Michelle, but the fact that they took him when they could have used that pick to improve other parts of their team because he is just not that good. In the receiving game here, so David Moore comes through for you yet again. 17 points in fantasies. He gets you 97 yards on four catches and a touchdown. It was a nice touchdown catch too as he kind of caught it outside the end zone, was bobbling it right by the defender and then secured it in the back of the end or in more toward the middle of the end zone. But it was it was a good catch, way to stay with it. Uh, continuing to move up this depth chart, uh, Seattle is apparently really likes this kid as a number two opposite Doug Baldwin. I think if you don't have him in dynasty leagues, he needs to be picked up 
now. And even in redraft leagues, I think it's time to pick this guy up. Uh, as many points as he's been putting up the past three weeks, he's the number, I think he's right up there in the top 10 of wide receivers with how good he's been. So you cannot consider this guy fluke anymore, in my opinion. Russell Wilson is looking his way. I think he's going to continue to produce. Ed Dixon, the tight end, had himself a, an okay day here finally. Uh, I mean, he scored for you, got you 54 points on two catches and uh, the one touchdown, which gets you 12 points in fantasy. Nick Vanette had a touchdown, but it was called back due to him stepping out of bounds. Tyler Lockett was the only other wide receiver who came through for you, though, with 11 points in fantasy as he got you uh, 13 yards rushing, which, again, always helps. Uh, you you take any points that you can get, especially from an awesome threat like Tyler Lockett. But he also gets you 34 yards on two catches and the touchdown, a really nice touchdown catch in the end zone as well. And then, of course, Doug Baldwin here kind of shut out just two catches and 26 yards. I think a lot of it still being his knee bothering him a little bit. I know he's had a couple big games since coming back, but I can't imagine that he's still fully healthy after that knee injury he suffered in the preseason, getting you just three points in fantasy. So that's going to do it for my top six recaps of Sunday, we'll do the other six tomorrow along with the Monday night breakdown as well. And now for all of that, or with all that being said, we will jump into the Monday night preview of what is hopefully will be a good game, but looks like it's going to be honestly a really bad one in the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. New England sitting at 5-2, and two, and the Buffaloes at 2-5. and five. New England going into Buffalo. New England, obviously, 83% uh, favored to win this matchup and are thir- given 13.5 points. So, for the Patriots side of things here, I think it's obviously going to be a big Tom Brady and James White game here. Uh, they only have the two active running backs in this game in James White and Kenyon Barner. Um, I don't expect Barner to get a lot of run. James White has been legit. They'll pass him the ball. He'll get some rushes. I do expect Barner to get you some rushing as well as they'll work him more into this offense. Um, if I had to pick who I think is going to be a big in this game, it's going to be Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski. Uh, the Bills do have really good safeties in Jordan Poyer and uh, and Micah Hyde, who could do a very good job on Gronkowski. The problem with them is Tredavious White is likely going to be on Josh Gordon. Now, there was a report that just came out about 20 minutes ago saying that Josh Gordon was tardy earlier in the week, and so he will be punished by the New England Patriots in this game. He will miss multiple series and likely even a quarter of this game which sucks if you're a Josh Gordon owner, especially someone like me who needs him to go off tonight. It's fucking bullshit. But anyways, uh, with that happening, Tredavious White, again, top three corner in the league going up against Josh Gordon. I honestly didn't think Josh Gordon would have a huge night tonight. He is extremely good at football. He's a physical freak. We all know that. We've seen how good he can be. So obviously it only takes the one play for him to make your fantasy day. Uh, But with Tredavious White being on him, Bill Bell, Check Tom Brady, not necessarily going to shy away from him most of the game, but I thought they would attack at certain times, and they're going to attack the other parts of this defense, which I think are weaker. Uh, this 
Pass defense for the Bills, though, is extremely good. Their rush defense is where it suffers, which is why I would say James White will have a good game as well. I expect him to get a fair amount of dump out, dump off passes and some rushes. But when it comes to the passing game, I think they're going to lean heavily on Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski in this game compared to Josh Gordon and Chris Hogan. For the Bills side of things here, so obviously we have Derek Anderson starting yet again. Uh, I don't. I don't trust anybody except for for maybe Kelvin Benjamin just due to the fact that, again, they had that connection going back to Carolina. Uh, They did hook up a couple times last week, Kelvin Benjamin having himself a good day, and I think they're going to have to rely heavily on Shady tonight. Uh, He is questionable. Uh, I would imagine he's going to play, though, if they haven't ruled him out yet. Uh, but again, this this Patriots defense has been fairly good against a run. I don't expect Sean McCoy to have a huge day today, but I expect they're going to rely on him early and often. If you have to play any Bills players, I mean, it's got to be just Benjamin and McCoy, and if at all possible, I would avoid those guys altogether. I do have the Patriots winning this game, but... I think it's going to be a little bit closer than everybody's giving him credit for. I don't expect it to be the thir- them to cover the 13 points. I think it's going to be Patriots 21-14. to 14. So, that'll do it for today's podcast, guys. Thank you so much again for listening to the Fantasy Roundtable podcast. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with the other six games. I will break them down. I will break down the Monday night football game uh, and then kind of give you guys some uh, just some talk on what's going to be coming up the rest of the week for us as some things will change up for me. I've got some time off this week, so I'm going to do a couple extra podcasts this week to make up for me not being able to do the college one this past Saturday due to some commitments. Um, I will also say this, though. Tomorrow is my oldest son's birthday so in all honesty I may not be able to put a podcast out tomorrow as I do want to spend time with him and celebrate with him uh, as he's only turning five years old and it's still a big deal for him for his birthday uh, and that that's my best friend right there so I'm gonna do everything I can to celebrate and make that day a great day for him so I'm just throwing it out there now there may not be a podcast tomorrow I'm gonna do my my best to get one out there as I know uh, you know I just love Love talking, like I said, fantasy and and having you guys come back and forth with me in the emails and Twitter. And obviously, I won't get that if I don't have a podcast. But family first. Uh, so at worst, if I am not able to get one, get to it tomorrow, I will definitely have one out Wednesday to you guys about the Tuesday stuff. And maybe I'll just make it an extra long one. I'll do all of my breakdowns for the other games, the Monday night game, and then do my ranking stuff on there Wednesday. But we'll see what happens. Again, I, I'm just letting you guys know now. If you don't see one out, that's why. Other than that, guys, again, have yourselves a great day. Hope you guys enjoy the Monday night football game tonight. Here's to hoping Josh Gordon goes off and James White and Tom Brady do nothing because I'm playing against them. And I'm a little bit selfish when it comes to fantasy. I think we all are. But hope you guys enjoy the game tonight. And hopefully I will get a chance to talk to you guys again tomorrow. Peace. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on there.